Hope you all have been peaceful during the past week in Christ Jesus. You are listening to Revelation Bible Study from Last Days Ministry by WGM Church. Before we continue with today's Bible study, let us begin with the words from Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Today, we will continue studying the word of Revelation. Our Lord personally appeared to and showed the Apostle John. Apostle John also testified, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. The book of Revelation speaks not only of what is to come, but also of what has happened in the 2,000 years of the present church age. And through this, it is a blessing for us to repent and correct as we examine the appearance of modern-day churches. So far, we have studied about the churches of Ephesus and Smyrna. Today, we'll study about the third church, uh, the church of Thyatira. As a review, the letters unto these seven churches not only show us the appearance of the Christ, uh, not a, appearance of the church in the past 2,000 years, but also the church of the end times in which we now live in, and it teaches us not only the events of the past, but also the things of now and what's about to come. Blessed are those who realize this today. Today we are studying from chapter 2, verse 18. And the word Thyatira means fragrance of pain. This church is historically from 500 to 1000 AD. However, this is a church that has been subjected to tremendous persecution that can be compared to before. For example, the underground churches in China have suffered immensely and millions of people have been martyred. 
As the name says, the church gives us fragrance of pain and suffering. It can be said that in the midst of their suffering, the fragrance of Christ is manifested in the whole church. As I read chapter two, uh, verse eighteen through twenty-nine, I hope you will be blessed by reading along. Again, Revelation chapter two, verse eighteen through twenty-nine, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write. These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity, charity and service and faith, and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because. Thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches that shall know that I am He which searches the rain and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. But that which ye have already hold, fast, fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. And will give him the morning star. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The Lord's presence in the church of Thyatira is not the weak and fragile Jesus Christ at His first coming. His eyes are as flame of fire, and His feet are fine brass. He is the Son of God, the Lord of Judgment. Those who reject it, they must be judged. That's why the Lord said, "When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will reprove the world, but first He will reprove of sin, of sin because they believe not on Me." All sins are imputed to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and whosoever believes this is forgiven and cleansed at that very moment from the curses of the law and the judgment. But those who do not believe in this Lord, in this Lord Jesus Christ, they deserve to be judged. If someone died, let's say if someone died for me during my short time on earth, how could I ever forget that person for the rest of my life? How could I ever betray him or her? Wouldn't it be a duty、um, to speak about that person's unforgettable grace? 
for rest of my life. God the Creator came in the form of a human being. He took all the sins of the world, past, present, and future sins, imputed it, imputed all the sins of this world onto his own body, went down to hell, threw all those sins into the deep sea, into the river of no return, and he came back up. Those who do not know the grace of the Lord, that he came and removed our sins as far away as the east is from the west, and those who do not believe in this, even they know it, even though they know this, shouldn't they deserve judgment? It's just being ignorant. That is why Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. He gives grace, but those who do not receive that grace are judged according to the word of justice and the word of truth. This world um, also has laws. Those who obey them, obey the law, receive grace. They are protected by the government officials. But those who don't obey the law are subject to punishments accordingly. In today's text, um, a woman named Jezebel, the self-proclaimed prophetess, committed fornication and made God's servants eat the sacrifices made unto idols. She was given the opportunity to repent of her fornication, but because she and the adulterers did not repent of their deeds, she would be turned over into the Great Tribulation. Now, who is this Jezebel? How did this woman commit fornication and what idol sacrifices did she offer? It should be a time for us to realize through the word. That is why, especially in the Dark Ages, between 500 and 1000 AD, many Christians and Jews were horribly killed by the Roman Catholic Church. In Fox's, John Fox's Book of Martyrs, we see in detail how many people were martyred during that time and how they were sacrificed. How many were sacrificed by these descendants of Jezebel? These are the people, the same people who served the Babylonian religion, who served the sun god, by such a religious group that worshipped idols. If you were seen just walking around carrying a Bible, or even reading the Bible, the Catholic priests would nail, um, nail them to wooden crosses torturing and killing them in various atrocious ways. These gruesome picture details exposing historical facts are contained within the pages of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Now, this book once served as a historical textbook in the American public school systems. Its use was banned by the Roman Catholic Church. Only few people know about this because it was taught a very long time ago. It was during this age that the Church of Thyatira, Jezebel, and this idol-worshipping group serving the Babylonian religious sun god destroyed the church, and Mary was deified. This Mary they serve is not 
the real Mary, but the Queen of Heaven found in Book of Jeremiah. They created and deified the version of the uh, Queen of Heaven into Mary. This was when Mary was deified. Their version of the Trinity claims Mary is above God because Mary is the mother of Jesus Christ and Jesus is God. We've got to know this correctly. As such, the Lord appeared in the form of judgment. Again in verse 20, Jezebel is mentioned for reproach. Jezebel was the wife of King Ahab of Israel, uh, written in the book of Kings. She was a prophetess and a religious leader. In particular, they worshipped the sun god Baal, the worship object of Babylonian religion along with the queen of heaven, the maidservant of Baal. People who serve Baal, they worship the sun god from 11 a.m. to around 12 p.m. That's about the time when the sun comes over the head. It's about that time. Some call it high noon. We see many images of the sun god while driving through uh, Mexico. It is spread all over the world. Through this, we can see that the descendants of Jezebel, uh, Baal-worshipping people in the past, are still worshipping the sun god all over the world. In Revelation chapters 17 and 18, God warns to come out of this crowd and out of these religious groups. Let's read Revelation 17, uh, verse 3 through 6. I hope you will realize realize the truth as we read these following verses. Revelation chapter 17, verse 3 to 6. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Here we see a woman, a harlot, and her name is Mystery, Babylon the Great. There is nothing new in this world. Ancient Babylon is still here. Babylonian religion is now deeply embedded in Christianity. We must, under, we must understand this very well. Blessed are those who understand. Here we see the harlot drinking the blood of martyrs. As we all know, the Church of God, which believes in Jesus Christ, is the virtuous bride of Christ. However, the harlot is not one with Jesus Christ. But this adulterous woman is has become one with the Antichrist. 
Therefore, the nation of Israel was also a woman before God. That's why the Lord said, I, Jehovah, am your husband. We can see from here that the relationship between God and man is spoken as of a relationship between husband and wife. According to these words, the number of Christians and Jews martyred during this period reached a whopping 60 million. Can you guys imagine how much blood was shed from the 60 million? And who killed them? The Roman Catholic Church. This period is the darkest time in the history of Christianity, and it is also known as the Dark Ages. May we hear the words spoken in Revelation 18 and about this woman, and let's hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. As we read earlier, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Revelation 18, chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every, every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven, saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. This is the scene of the fall of Babylon the Great. At the end of the tribulation, Babylon the Great will finally fall. It is a dwelling place of demons, a den of unclean spirits. It is a den of filthy, detestable birds. All the nations were drunk with the wine of the wrath of her fornication. When the Antichrist appears in the coming Great Tribulation, this harlot is the false prophet, a woman who plays such a role in bringing all nations into her fornication. I hope that you will realize this very woman contained in the words. Few people now know that the Roman Catholic Church is a 20th century reproduction of the Phoenician Baal worshippers of the Hamitic people of North Africa. Many churchgoers don't know because they don't study the Bible. Our Lord said, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. The Bible must be read thoroughly, because Satan, the devil, disguises himself as an angel of light. You will be deceived if you do not read the Bible in detail. We can see that this devil tempted Jesus with the word while he was on this earth. That is why we must read the word carefully 
and in detail, thoroughly in detail, in order to distinguish this Satan very well. That is why the Lord said in Revelation 2.24, But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, meaning they weren't part of the Babylon the Great, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. You must hold on to the correct doctrine. Doctrine is like a backbone. You have to hold on to Jesus Christ only. That's why the Lord said, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. According to the Apostle Paul, those who maintain their pure faith to the end would come together with the Lord as he gives them the power to rule the nations with the rod of iron, even judging the angels. Now, when the Corinthians, the saints in Corinth, uh, Corinthian church brought the issues of the church to the courts of the world. Paul said, Are there no such wise in the church that they that judge even the angels? It's a pity to see churches these days bringing problems to the courts of the world when everything is judged in the word, word of God. And when we have the word of God, we can see clearly what is right and wrong. But is there none of you that is so wise? Do the children of God go to the world court and let the world judge God's churches? We can see the Apostle Paul's um, lament in this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I hope you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to the churches at this hour. He gives grace to the humble in heart. And when the heart is humble, the Lord opens the ears so that they can hear him. In the old days, when the people of Israel became hardened in their hearts, God sent the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, he said this, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Now is the time for us to truly humble ourselves and pray unto the Lord. I know nothing. I am still a sinner. Please have pity on me and open my eyes and ears so that I may understand your will. God will, he will give grace to those who pray like this. May the Lord give you this amazing grace. Now let's move on to the fourth church. Moving on to chapter 3 you will find the church of Sardis. Sardis is a type of church that existed from year 1000 to 1500 AD. Sardis, mean, Sardis means red. As with the church of Thyatira, they continue to persecute the Christians. It is no exaggeration to say that the years between 1000 and 1500 were covered with the bloody footprints of numerous martyrs. It was during this era 
the Tribunal of the Holy Office of the Inquisition, commonly known as Spanish Inquisition, was established. And especially, historically, the Huguenot Massacre and the St. Bartholomew Day Massacre have awarded, awarded medals um, to the Roman Catholic Church members who have killed a great deal of unarmed Christians. The three greatest Christians in the history of the church during this time were Wycliffe, John Huss, and Savonarola. In particular, Wycliffe is well known for his missionaries. He was burned at the stake for sole reason of having a Bible. Also, after he was burned at the stake, the Roman Catholics took out his remains and burned him again. The Bible says people can be killed, um, but the word of God is not bound. And what's the Wycliffe mission doing nowadays? The missionaries sacrificed 30 to 40 years in a country that has no language, and they helped them create a language, publish a Bible in their language, and build a church. Wycliffe was burned twice, but the word of God was never burned, as we witness his mission continuing to this day. As the Apostle Paul said in uh, imprisonment, Wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. No matter how Satan interferes, as the true underground church members of China once said, um, the gospel is the blood of the saints and the seed of God's life. We can remember that more Christians that are killed, the more lives in their blood will be sown and the more people will be saved. Let's take a closer look at the church of Sardis. Revelation chapter 3 verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. The name is alive, but it was dead. This is a dead church. There were only a handful of people living in the Roman Catholic Church in the name of Orthodoxy. There are people who have expressed it this way. Many churches today are like dying lungs where only a few cells survived and barely maintain life. True life is where few spirit-filled people who keep the faith in their church that is becoming a living corpse. Take a look at your church, and you can see that very few people are filled with the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, are treated as being fanatical. When I was street preaching in front of a supermarket, I've heard people say that even the servants of the Lord have gone crazy. Isn't the church a lifeline to save the dead? Uh, the dead? When Brother Yoon, who recently founded an underground church in China, talked about how a lot of Korean churches gather, hold many meetings, have many fellowships, and they pray well, but do not go, they never go outside. If a fishing boat does not catch a fish and works only inside, then what is the use of worshiping? 
the church should shine forward and toward the dying world and become fishers of people by throwing a lifeline. Like the early church members, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 disciples, not church members. Indeed, the disciples of the Lord, those who follow the Lord while denying, denying themselves, who bear their cross and suffer to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ on earth, are the disciples of Jesus Christ and our Lord's friends. What did he tell his disciples before he left this world? You are my friends. I have told you every word I've heard of my father. Three and a half years during his ministry, the Lord made them not only his disciples, but also his friends. When Abraham obeyed the word of God, he said Abraham was his friend. What about you? Are you just a church member? Are you a selfish person who only wants to go to heaven when you die? Are you disciples who lead others to heaven? Furthermore, have you become a friend of Jesus Christ, now living a life of discipleship, being filled with the word, and continuing to obey the word of God by unconditionally obeying his word? We really need to look at ourselves at these last days. From year 1000 to 1500 AD, there were few shining lights within the Roman Catholic Church. As a church organization, it was dead. They were especially small groups. It was when these small groups, such as the Cathars, Huguenots, uh, Waldensians, and Albigensians, survived without being buried. Okay, everyone, that's going to be all for today. We will continue to study about the Church of Sardis next time. Let us all bow our heads at this time and take a look at ourselves. Am I truly living a life of vitality as members of the church? Am I giving life unto others? He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This is the uh, water of life that saves other people. Am I saving others by preaching the gospel? Or am I dying? The Lord said, if you're not attached to the vine, you will wither away and eventually people will take you and burn you. It'll burn away. Are you living a life like this, where everything spiritually is ex exhausted and there is no joy, no hope, no faith, and you're just going to church? Now is the time to wake up and pray and repent. Only then will those around us see us Christians and gain life. This is the fruit-bearing life of a disciple. You can't become a disciple through training programs. Disciples are who go out and preach Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. If you accept this Jesus Christ, life will come inside and you are born again. And you are saved forever. Everyone who preaches this word 
As the Apostle Paul said, everyone who participates in the Lord's Supper must proclaim the death of Christ until he comes. Anyone who participates in this ceremony unworthily is like eating and drinking in their own sins. Those who partake of the Lord's Supper and do not proclaim the death of Jesus Christ are like those who eat and drink of their sins. Whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, we must keep this in mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the word that the pastors always reads, every time we eat the Lord's Supper, the, Lord, uh, the word that we must proclaim Jesus Christ. There are who participate worthy of it. This is the attitude of those who partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, Father God, as we heard about the church of Thyatira and Sardis, we once again realize how dry and complacent we have become. May your word teach us and correct us by the Holy Spirit so that we can truly become the churches that are awake and bear witness to the gospel of Christ in these final days of our modern dark age. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen.